Chris, if you'd like to come and let me just pray for you as you share with us. Um, Father God, we thank you so much for Chris, God. We thank you for um, the gifts you have given him to carry and lead this movement in your strength. We just pray uh, that as he shares this word now, God, that our hearts would be softened, that we would be ready to hear from your heart through what Chris is saying, and that we would be greatly impacted and drawn closer into your will this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. James, thank you so much. I promise I don't feel very bossy today, um, just saying. Uh, it's fantastic to be in the wonderful city of Liverpool this morning. Um, I drove up uh, yesterday evening to uh, just the other side of the Mersey and came through the tunnel this morning. And uh, I, I live in Cardiff, Wales, work out of Elim's uh, head offices in Malvern, uh, where our college is as well. But great to be with you. And uh, in the time that we have, I want to uh, share part of a message that I preached at the uh, Elam Leaders Summit just uh, a, a week or so ago. If you want to get that version and other great content from the, the, the conference, it's up on Elam's YouTube channel. And so you can check out. There's a number of those messages uh, that you guys can, uh, can, can also uh, follow. Do you know, um, it's just wonderful being in the church with you this morning, worshipping, being part of the video I'm in. I'm part of the church now. Um, it's official. It's on the video. Um, and worshipping together. And I come uh, with a sense of excitement to share into a season that is already something that God is doing here. I've not come to tell you what he's doing. You guys know already. You're praying. You're believing. You're leaning into it. I know you've been sharing something about the challenges of the cultural moment that we're a part of right now. The, the way the world is changing around us. Beliefs, attitudes, responses, lifestyles. And into the midst of that, the challenge of how do we share Jesus, the unchanging gospel. Jesus is still the Savior. Anybody say amen? Men this morning. He still meets with real people in real places who are going through real things. Amen. It's not a fantasy. It's not a fiction. It's not just a history thing. Jesus still comes and changes the lives of real people in real places going through real things. And I want to come with a sense of lining up, I, I hope and I pray, with what the Lord Jesus is already saying, what the Holy Spirit is already saying. So I'm encouraged already. And as we share together, let me just um, put this in context for a moment or two. I preached the message uh, uh, the week before last at the summit, uh, Elim Leaders uh, Gathering, called Call to Harvest. You see, I believe that in this season, Jesus is saying something to his church around the world. It's a familiar message. It's a, it's a message we find in the Gospels, but it's coming alive again as we are being called to awake, to wake up to the reality of the Gospel for our times, to wake up to that message that Jesus really is concerned to reach everyone, everywhere, through real people like us. He doesn't just do it automatically. He uses his church, his people, out embedded in local communities, sown into the ground of towns and cities where we are so that we can bring his life and his love to the real people around us. So God is a God of seasons. He's the God who not only made the seasons, but the Bible says in Daniel chapter 2, this great thing, he's the God who changes times and seasons. So you've been 
thinking about the season of the world that we're in, the season in the city, the season in our nation, the season in the wider context. And, and Daniel 2 says he's the God who changes times and seasons. I'm starting to believe more and more that that's something he wants the church in the UK to get a hold of. We can be so discouraged when we look at the cultural landscape, the increasing opposition that there might be to the Christian gospel. Yet God is doing something to change the season. So I come with a word called to season. Um, Matthew chapter 9, and this is not where we're going to land in a moment, but this is a starting point, the springboard, if you like. Matthew chapter 9 says this, And Jesus, this is verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. You know, I'm a city boy, really. I've lived most of my life in cities, not in the rural uh, or countryside. So when we talk about harvest there, Jesus is standing in Galilee, not in Jerusalem. He's in a place of beautiful rural uh, 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 landscape. And, and, and spending most of his ministry for three years or so, the Gospels tell us, around rural places, going to the city of Jerusalem from time to time, and, and, and also around Galilee. And yet here we have a kind of a summary in Matthew 9 of what he's doing, going from place to place before social media, before any of the modern communication tools that we now take for granted. The word travels about Jesus, and everywhere he goes, people gather to him. They come from miles away because they hear that there's a man that not only has amazing words, but he has the works that accompany the words. In other words, people are changed when they meet him. People come to faith and follow him. They, their bodies are healed. Their, their minds change. Their hearts changed. Those that are tormented by evil spirits, those that are bound to addicting issues, are set free by Jesus. And here we have this summary. Wherever he goes, that, that he sees the crowds coming to him. I'm reminded that crowds are powerful things. You know, if we were to be in, last weekend, I know in Liverpool, you guys were inundated with people from around the world crowding in to see a a, a song contest. On other occasions, weekend by weekend, although the the season is just finishing, the football teams here in the city that are world-renowned will be packed for the games. And the crowds are full of emotion, aren't they? Crowds can be powerful in terms of moving us. I was, years ago, moved from London to Cardiff, where I live, from Kensington in London over to Cardiff, where my mum was originally from. And I had two small children then. Another was born in Cardiff a few years later. And they built the new stadium, the Millennium Stadium, it was called, right in the centre of Cardiff. That stadium was 72,000 seaters, and it had a, a, a sliding roof, and everybody in the city wanted to get in to see the new stadium. 
Rugby is the national sport of Wales. You couldn't get tickets for the rugby games, but they opened it up for a football game for Wales to play Norway. Now, whether you're a sports fan or not, let me just tell you, Wales at the time weren't great at football, and, and the, the Wales-Norway game wouldn't fill the local Cardiff Stadium, let alone the Millennium Stadium. But because the stadium was new, everybody wanted to be there. So I paid £10 for my ticket and £5 for my son Jordan, who was about seven or eight at the time. And we got into the stadium and we were right up the, the top, looking down at this amazing stadium. They brought out great music before the game, but then the game was pretty boring, if I'm honest. But all of a sudden, everybody stood to their feet. They began to applaud. They began to cheer. They began to wave their arms in the air. It was almost like a worship moment. And we did the same. Without thinking, we followed the crowd. Began to just cheer and wave. And we didn't know what we were cheering about, what we were responding to, until suddenly I looked across at the scoreboard. And it said, England nil, Germany won. So I'm in Wales, I'm in the National Stadium of Wales, I'm an Englishman. My little boy was from England. We looked in horror at the stadium as all the Welsh fans applauded that at Wembley, England were losing to Germany. My son's eyes were popping out of his head. All I could think to say was this, Jordan, don't forget, we're missionaries here, son. Crowds can move you. Crowds can move us with great emotion. Sometimes crowds can be scary things. If you get pushed in a crowd, anybody ever had that experience? Yeah, just all of a sudden, you feel the force of the crowd. Jesus, Matthew tells us, was constantly surrounded by crowds. There are crowd moments in the Gospels. Sometimes they're amazing to know what happens in, in those moments. As so somebody pushes through the crowd, a woman pushes through and touches the hem of his garment, and she's completely healed in that moment. But in this moment, we hear this. When Jesus sees the crowds, imagine the crowds in the midst of the city on a, a big day in Liverpool. When Jesus sees crowds, he's moved. He's not just moved by them, he's moved to them. He was moved with compassion. Moved means moved. It means something changes. His response to the crowds is always to more than just the masses. It's to people, individual people. When Jesus sees crowds, he sees human need. He sees each heart, each life. And I want to say today in Liverpool, today in the UK, Jesus is still moved to people. And he wants to move us. That's why that word compassion is there. He wants to give us not just uh, emotions, but something beyond it. Compassion of God. God's love for real people in real places that can move us. So, we're in this passage, and then Jesus says to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Why, why in the crowds is he talking about the fields? Whether you're a city boy like me or a country person, that powerful image of a harvest field. In the late summer, as harvest time comes to our fields in the UK, 
there will be many a sight if we drive out of the city or take a trip out into the countryside where we'll see harvest fields. Jesus uses that as a powerful picture, a parable, if you like, of a spiritual harvest. He's not just talking about the plants growing and the, the produce being at its full. He's talking about the fact that there is going to be in every season, not just what it looks like, but there is going to be a spiritual harvest of people coming to know God, of people coming to know Jesus. And he says to them, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe. Now at the time, they didn't understand. They didn't see that harvest. They saw the religious authorities who would soon crucify him, opposing him as Savior and Lord. And yet Jesus wanted to open their hearts, minds, and spirits to a new way of seeing, a new revelation. As he wants to open ours. I believe all around the world that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's waking up believers. Some of us have been believing for a long time and others coming to faith more recently to wake us up to see spiritual things. That's what's happening with this prayer walk. That's what our sister encouraged us about this morning, that he's waking us up. The awakening is a great spiritual phrase. There have been awakenings in church history in past times. Great movements of people coming to faith in Jesus and beginning to change their communities and their societies and, and to turn back to the Lord. And guys, I want to say this morning as I bring my message in a different direction in just a moment or two. In the time that I have with you, I want to say it's time around the world, the Holy Spirit, around the nation, around Liverpool, the Lord Jesus is waking up his church, all of us. You know what you're like in the morning? I, I, if you're like me, you know, different personalities, some spring out of bed, not many of us, and that's not usually me. Others will wake up more slowly. They'll need three cups of coffee or they'll need you know, at least something. By the middle of the day, maybe you're, you're feeling awake. But what about spiritually waking up? That there can be something where we rub our eyes, we stretch ourselves, we begin to get moving again. And the church begins to have a fresh sense of faith that today is the Lord's day that God is at work, that the harvest of real people. What's that about? It's about spiritual openness and readiness to respond to the Lord. I wonder if we could really see that in the streets of Liverpool or Cardiff where I live, that actually people sometimes that seem like the furthest away from faith in Jesus, from responding to his love. to Maybe they're, they're, it looks like life is fine for them. You know, they, they seem to have everything going for them. But inside, they're battling and struggling with things. Jesus said they look like sheep without a shepherd to him. And it, it's into that reality of real people in real places that the Lord's waking us up. Secondly, he's, he's aligning us together lining us up, different churches. Great to have two fellowships that are meeting as one. And there are others who love the Lord Jesus in this city. And in our day and in our time, the Lord is wakening us. He's aligning our hearts and our lives to begin to go fresh into his harvest fields. He closes that passage with this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
the workers are few. So ask, that word actually there is about, is really is pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. Do you know who the workers were that he was soon to send? The ones he said, pray, ask the Lord. We are in a new season all around the world and all around the nation when it seems like these last few years would have forced us into the, de- the defensive mode, the kind of in our own world, close the, the doors, batten down the hatches. Actually, the opposite is happening. Churches are finding people coming to faith almost out of nowhere. I'm in different churches most Sundays now, and, 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 and often so, some pastors will say and some leaders will say, hey, we've not got everybody back from before the pandemic, but, but who are they and who are they and who are they? And people coming to faith in Jesus, it seems against all the odds, against all the circumstances, there's a harvest. How many of you know that God's the God of the harvest? And that he's always in season. He's never out of season. He calls us to something new. I want you to come back with me just to the Old Testament from Old Testament to a moment for a moment to the uh, prophet Jeremiah. I'm going to, just going to read a couple of verses. Jeremiah chapter two. This is a moment in time where the Lord speaks to a prophet, calls him to be his voice to the people. He tells him he's going to come upon his life. He's going to speak to him and through him. And Jeremiah begins a journey of obedience to speak to the nation. In chapter 2, this is what the Lord says to him. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. The picture that the Lord gives to Jeremiah is of a nation who had come into such relationship with him that, that, it, that he describes it as a loving relationship. I remember the devotion, the, the love. Uh, devotion is a love word. The devotion of your youth, how you loved me then. And the Lord begins to talk about how he brought them out of slavery. Our sister mentioned that before. At, at how he, he, he brought them out and they followed him through the wilderness. Many of you will know the story of Moses leading under the call of God the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt through wilderness. Forty years they went through the wilderness. But something amazing happens in this prophetic word. Wilderness. How many of you would say that actually we're living in a spiritual wilderness right now? Our nation looking out. Almost unbelievably, a barrenness, a wasteland 
of competing beliefs and ideologies, but many having turned away from the Lord. Oh, there's signs of hope. There's signs of new and fresh life. But compared to what we may have known before, compared to what some of you will have seen, some of you who've come to the UK from other nations where you may have been shocked when you came here at the unbelief in our nation, at the resistance to the Christian gospel. And, and yet in the midst of it, God is awakening something. Here, Jeremiah is told to say something. Remember the devotion of your youth, how you followed me through the wilderness in a land not sown. Last autumn, I was with my wife. We were ministering down in, in, in Cornwall, in Newquay, for uh, the Sunday. And we stayed the night before the service in a hotel, they very kindly arranged for us, uh, looking over the beach in Cornwall. We woke up early and, and looked out at the window, and it, we were by the side of the beach, this beach called Fistral Beach. It's a very famous surfing beach. And uh, the surfers were out early. They, 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 it was pretty cold out there, but they were in their wetsuits, and they were out on the beach like dots into the far distance. We looked from this high point looking down on the beach and there were hundreds of surfers and there wasn't one wave like you see the picture of the wave crashing over the surface but we looked from on high and there was a wave and 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 a row like almost like buses in a row waiting to come in. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my spirit. I felt the Lord just show me something, that we're praying for waves of revival. We're praying for God to come and sweep in. Much of our, 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 our worship, our songs talk about the way that God comes in waves of, of blessing, showers of blessing, waves of blessing, rivers of love upon a people and a nation. I felt like the Lord was saying that he was surely the God of seasons and that waves were coming, but not just one wave, one by one by one after each other, that the Lord was going to come into our land. But we needed to press into this season, knowing, trusting, believing that he is the God who does things one season at a time. And I want to say, I went back to this scripture. I'd read it just before. I felt the Lord just begin to stir this part of it. This is what I want you to see. It's this phrase. You followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. God's speaking. I remember your love. I took you through the wilderness, a land not sown. That is not Jeremiah's picture of the wilderness. It wasn't Moses' picture of the wilderness. Wilderness is wasteland. It's almost impossible for us to see beyond the waste and the decay and what is not there. But God says, wasteland, wilderness, is a land not sown. In other words, he turns the negative into a positive. A city is not just a wasteland, it's a land not sown. I believe that the Lord is quickening a word into our time that we will see that in looking at the cultural moment, in looking at the landscape we're in, as we're not to stop there. 
that actually that challenges us with urgency, with a greater faith to get on our knees, to get out into the streets, to begin that fresh seasonal obedience of saying, yes, Lord, we're not going to leave the wilderness as a wasteland. We're going to start to sow. Church, this morning I've come here to say it's time to sow. It's time to sow in the city. It's time to sow again into wilderness and wasteland. That's a revelation. It's not mine, it's God's. And my spirit is waking up to this. I spent so much of my time looking at our culture, looking at how do we evangelize in this culture? How do we reach out against all the changing tide of people's opinions and views? And yet I feel like the Holy Spirit is waking me up and us and lining me up with his word and his revelation and his power and his promises to say it's time to sow again. Past times, they sowed. This church came out of some people sowing in prayer, some people sowing with their acts of faith, with their giving, with their serving, with their, with their courage to move into a community and open a new place of worship and witness. Now, though time is short, I want to sow that into you. I believe with all my heart that God is saying the wilderness of your community, of your city, of your nation, of ours, I see as unsown ground. It's time to sow again. I'm not a great gardener. I'm a city boy. I'm a rookie gardener, but I'm loving learning and just starting in a, in a bit of new uh, a, a back garden that w- w- in a house move a few years ago we moved in and it was all brand new and and just nothing there apart from some lawn and I, I expected instant results but I found out it doesn't work like that you've got to work the soil we had heavy clay and most things when I read on the back of the packet it won't grow in heavy clay So what do we start to do? We start to learn how to churn up the ground, how to change the soil, how to add things in there. The same with a spiritual landscape. I believe the Lord is positioning you guys as a church to do some fresh things. Reminds me this morning of an elder in our church in Cardiff. About 12 years ago, he's now with the Lord, but he was in his 80s then. He came to me and said, Pastor, the Lord's telling me to walk the city and pray. And, and, and I, I was encouraged, but I, I found out quickly he really meant it. He really meant that he was going to walk every street in Cardiff. It's a big city, 320,000 people, not quite as big as Liverpool. And, but I knew that he was not to be argued out of it or even pastorally persuaded. And he, over the next, took him a, a year or more, he walked every single street in the city of Cardiff and praying. He was in a season in his life where he just loved Jesus so much. He, 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 was, he was in the elders' meetings. He wasn't interested in the business unless it was about leading people to Jesus. And then he'd vote for anything that was about seeing people come to Christ. And he began to pray the land. I've been exercised by this, and I just want to give you this as, as I bring the message into land. This is a word... When we, when we talk about sowing, sowing has to do with seed. Those of you that are expert gardeners, give me some tips afterwards. But you'll know there are many aspects of that. I think that as often when we're talking about sowing, 
the gospel. We think about that's something being evan- something that evangelists do. Gifted people that we get in to help us to reach out and sow. But I think there's a flip here. I think Jesus is, is calling for harvest workers that are ordinary people. That doesn't mean we don't need gifted people to equip us and train us. But actually, this is something for everyone, everywhere, who follows Jesus. So we know that God's word is seed. The gospel, the good news about Jesus is seed. That's what the gospels make very clear. Jesus is teaching that it's his word that brings life. It's his good news gospel that brings life, seed into every bit of soil and ground. But there's more than that. I think that prayer is seed. I think that speaking words over your community of prophecy, of blessing is seed. I think that we are seed. That you living in your community, you in your workplace, you in your family become living seed for Jesus. In these weeks, I want to ask that you would just get a hold of these scriptures about the, about the harvest and about the seed and begin to ask the Lord to show you how to sow seed in this community. When you walk in that week, you're sowing seeds of prayer and prophecy and blessing. But you're also physically present in the ground, in the soil of this community. In the next few seasons, the Lord is going to renew his church's faith for what can happen when faith is sown into wasteland. That's what the book of Acts is all about. They go into new communities and new cities and hostile places and where where it's heavy clay or stony ground and they begin to sow. Here's what I think we need to guard against. There's a temptation that we think about spiritual seed, about giving, about sowing, about praying, about witnessing as being something that we have to be so careful about. We want all of our efforts and our energies and our investment to be so careful, uh, to be so precise. And yet, the gospel reveals that God is a generous sower of seed. How many of you know the parable of the sower? In Mark 4, there's a shorter version. It's called the parable of the growing seed. And it says this, a farmer goes out to sow And he scatters seed. That word scatters. It's not just digging a trench and very precisely, like Monty Don does on Gardener's World, my new favorite program. Don't tell anybody. I've really become that old person. The farmer goes out to sow and he scatters seed. What does that mean? God's a scattering God. Oh, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Of course I do. But I want us to see the heart of God. He'll sow in places we wouldn't even dream of going. He'll sow amongst people that we'd be frightened, afraid, maybe resistant to sowing. He'll he'll do things beyond. So here are my uh, nudges to us all in terms of how we might sow seeds of revival and seeds of God's seasonal change. First one we've mentioned already, it's been sown throughout the service and woven, sowing seeds of prayer. 
begin to pray. These next few weeks, you will begin to have more specific seed to sow into this community. As you pray, you listen to one another. What are the things we're sowing here? Blessing, goodness, the favor of God, healing, change, hope in the face of the wasteland of unbelief and, and despair and, 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 and hopelessness. Secondly, sowing seeds of kindness and compassion. Oh, compassion that's moved by the heart of God over time in the soil begins to impact others around you. Remember Pastor James earlier on talking about getting around some people that carry something? Sowing seeds together as we begin to become kinder. Our friend Gavin Calver is at the moment leads the Evangelical Alliance in the UK, and he's saying this, it's time for the church to be braver and kinder. Kindness, but with courage. Courage to sow against the grain of the culture. Just a couple more. Sowing seeds of generosity. A church that's giving beyond. A church that is Acts 2. At the end of the book of Acts, chapter 2, we hear that the church on the first day after Pentecost, thousands of them, new believers, began a journey of discovering how to love together, how to live in the city together. They're so different. It's so messy. But they begin to become generous. They share their lives and they share their, 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 their possessions and they share their finances and they, and they share their faith and their stories of hope. Sowing seeds of hospitality. Wow. Many of your cultures here represented will know how special it is when we welcome the stranger. When we bring people into our homes, into our, around our meal table. When we share food, it's like a, it opens your heart to one another. The gift of hospitality, again and again, God has used that throughout human history to open the way for the good news of Jesus to be shared. What if the church in this city can become known as the most hospitable, the most generous people in the city? The people that aren't just going to tell you 10 things that are wrong with your life, but to introduce you to somebody who will love you like he's loved us and welcome you in your brokenness and begin that journey of change. We're nearly done. Sowing seeds of witness. What does that mean? Remember I said it's not just the evangelist, but the challenge is that we will become a witnessing people together. That's a journey. It doesn't start with just the perfect opportunity and the perfect words. Most of us stumble with the people closest to us. I've got family and friends that are not yet believers. I've got new neighbors that that aren't following Jesus, and, and I'm stumbling too. Once they've heard my testimony or my story, they're not watching me on YouTube. They're kind of seeing me as a, as a real person. And I'm saying, Lord, help me to witness too. Over time, the Lord wants to release a witnessing church again. Used to be that back in, in, in the day, the very first thing that in a Pentecostal church, if you were saved, if you came to faith in Jesus, they, they want to get you filled with the Holy Spirit pretty quickly. The next thing they'd want to get you to do is to start to tell somebody that you're following Jesus. To be a witness started like day one 
of the Christian journey. Not when you'd passed a course, but just, just one, one, one lady in the church that I went to pastor in Cardiff. She told me her story. She was into her 80s then. But she said, you know, I was the first Christian in my family, one of 12 brothers and sisters. When I, when I became a Christian at 15, the whole family were against me. But then my mom was converted. Then my sister, then my brother. And then eventually the last one to, to say yes to Jesus was her dad, the patriarch. And eventually the whole family came to Jesus because a 15-year-old girl started to witness to her family. Hey, Amen. Liverpool. Sow again. Time to sow. And it's not just us. It's every believing community of people who love Jesus. We're going to land it with these things. Sowing seeds of the supernatural presence and the power of Jesus. That doesn't mean you have to be weird out there on the streets. That'll get you on YouTube. Naturally supernatural. When you're going around the city and you're going around at work and you're not the sourpuss in the office. You're the one that is full of blessing. You're the one that has something of hope. But we are believing, Lord, for the miraculous. Give us an opportunity, Lord, to bring prayer, faith, testimony, and a share. And finally, those signs and wonders that only Jesus can do. It's a simple word. I read a familiar passage. I read about a familiar story of Exodus and wasteland and Israel's first love turning to rebellion and, and going their own way. And then I see suddenly that God says to the prophet that the wasteland is not just a wasteland. Remember there were miracles in the wasteland for 40 years. Manna provision that got them through. But then they came into a land called Canaan, the land of promise, where the very first moment they came into the land, they had to learn how to sow. It wasn't going to be miraculous provision anymore for their food. They had to get into the soil and into the ground and begin to sow. And I heard a story on TV just the other week of a fancy restaurant in a beautiful country house that had a kitchen garden. Like the map, uh, the, the, the picture on the way in. And the kitchen garden was, was beautiful. The guy was being shown around. And he said this, uh, how do you get so much food? He said this, the, 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 the chief gardener said this, we sow every week. Every week we sow and every week we take a harvest. So we're not just waiting till one month in the year to get that produce. Every single week we're sowing new seed and we're reaping something. And again, the Lord quickened my spirit. What would it be if we start to sow again? Praying for young people, children, beginning to sow with witness, beginning to sow more intentionally, walking the ground, beginning to, to re record, to testify to what the Lord is already doing. Church, will you stand with me as I hand back? Here's the message this morning. We're called to the harvest. The church is being stirred around the world and around the nation.
to wake up, not judgmentally, but by the Lord who says, it's a new day, it's a new season. I want to open your eyes to what I'm doing. The ones and the twos that are becoming followers of Jesus now, the ones and the twos that are prodigals coming back to faith, the ones and the twos that are starting to rise up from within the assembly, beginning to sense that the Lord has something fresh, that that is the first fruits of so much more that he wants to do. But it's time for us to shift our position of faith towards the land, the culture, the season that we're in, the community, and to begin to see that God sees it as a land that needs to be sown again. Will you close your eyes in his presence and just maybe if the Lord is already quickening something in you, if you're already with me in this message, you might just lift your hands as I pray. Jesus, we thank you for the evidence of your leading and guiding in this fellowship. We thank you for what's stirring already from the map on the way in to what was on the screen. I thank you that this church and this people in this city are sowing afresh prayers, faith, steps of witness, stories, compassion, generosity, kindness, hospitality, supernatural faith, using their gifts together. Lord, accelerate that, I pray in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. And let this be a harvest church. Let this be not just a church that waits for a one-off harvest, but begins to build in the expectation that in every season you are a harvesting God and you're going to use them for a great harvest of people, real people, real places, surrendering to Jesus, getting free, falling in love with you, Lord, and obeying you into the harvest field. We declare that this is your city. This is your place. This wonderful city of Liverpool deserves the gospel afresh to be sown. This generation of young people that seem in many ways the hardest to reach deserve the impacting gospel of Jesus in ways they can understand. Come Holy Spirit to them. And everybody said, Amen and Amen.